Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And if you could sense a little sadness in that tone, that's because it's a tough time to be alive around here, right? And the Breaking Big Blue podcast, because it's official. The conductor is retiring. Right, So if you've been following long enough around here, you know I've been on that Daniel Jones bandwagon. I put on the conductor hat. I did a choo-choo. You know, like even nowadays, like it's not even a hearty choo-choo. It's just like all that's left is like choo-choo. Like that's all I got in me. That's all the conductor has left in him. So what I did this this week was I took the hat, the conductor hat, that I bought on Amazon for who knows, you know, five, ten dollars. So very valuable, of course. Conductor hat that I've worn to do bits about Daniel Jones and me being the conductor, and he was going to be their quarterback for the future and moving forward. And I took that hat, sadly, off my head, opened the draw, top draw of my desk, and I put it in there, likely for good. Because that is what the 2023 season has evolved into. Mind you, mind you, nine months, the 10, 10 months after a playoff win. Okay. Seven months after he signed what on paper is a four year, $160 million deal. But this is the reality. That we had to retire the conductor bit. The, re- the, the, the conductor, the actual conductor, the last man standing at one point who was hanging by his fingertip. And I have my pinky extended right now, hanging on to the end of the Daniel Jones bandwagon while everybody else was off. By the way, hanging on meant like I remember I was saying at the time, like he could be like a Ryan Tannehill a little better. Like that was considered the staunchest Daniel Jones supporter at the time. Then he had, obviously, that really strong 2022 season, sixth in QBR. I know people want to harp on the 15 touchdown passes, but he played really well last year. First year, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, add weapons this offseason. It's only going to get better. But here's why. I had to retire the conductor bit. Because here's the reality. With where we stand right now, Daniel Jones, I'm sure you know, tore his knee in Sunday's game. He tore actually the last play. Over the first quarter, you could see he, and at the time I even tweeted, I think Daniel Jones just sacked himself because his leg kind of got caught up and he just stumbled and he just fell down around Lawrence Cager. Very next play, after he like jogged around a little bit, tried to throw the ball, looked like he was going to be fine. But he goes out there the very next play, middle of his drop back. To me, it almost looked like similar to Aaron Rodgers. In the middle of the drop back, he just fell down. Okay, so he's fallen on his backside. He goes to get up, and you could tell at that moment when he stood up, he knew something was wrong. Like, I even turned to Pat Leonard from New York Daily News next to me. I said, you know what? I think he just tore his Achilles. Actually, it was Dan Duggan. Sorry for the athletic. So that, that, he just tore his Achilles like Rodgers, but it actually was his knee, not his Achilles. But you could tell when he stood up for that two seconds, he knew right away something was wrong. And then he grabbed at the knee immediately after that. He's like, oh. Uh Uh-oh. 
That's got to be a, his ACL. Got to be. Find out the next morning, torn ACL. Like everybody in the locker room knew it beforehand. Daniel Jones knew it beforehand. He didn't want to say it after the game. I, as he walked through the locker room, I tried to you know say, hey, it's out there that it's likely a torn ACL. I want to say anything. He just plowed through the locker room as if nobody was there. Clearly not, you know, in good spirits. Uh, probably, almost certainly had a a brace underneath the sweatpants or warm up pants he was wearing. Couldn't see at the time. No leg looked stiff. Was definitely limping. So now Daniel Jones is out for the season. Tyrod Taylor's on IR, and Brian Dable actually wouldn't even commit to Tyrod Taylor being back this year. So this is why you have to be off. The the, the conductor had to retire. This is the reality. It's not that I don't think Daniel Jones will play. It's not that I actually I probably would bet on Daniel Jones starting more games for this team. He's under contract next year. They owe him $35.5 million. He's not going anywhere. But the reality of the situation right now is that you have to be concerned about Daniel Jones's health. That's factor one. He had another neck injury, his second in three years, earlier this season, forcing him to miss three games. Now he's coming back from a torn ACL. So he has an extensive injury history. It's hard right now to feel optimistic about Daniel Jones's long-term future. I know it's just an ACL, but given those three, it's particular injuries on top of the, he had some ankle problems, high ankle sprains throughout his career, stuff like that. So he has a lengthy injury history. So it's hard to be super confident investing in him long-term right now. Clearly. I mean, this is just common sense. This is logic. And then we're throwing into the mix that the Giants are going to be bad. They're already bad. They're two and seven. Like bad to the point where they have a chance to be in the top five, the top three, the top pick. How about this? So our ESPN analytics, here's what their odds say. The Giants had a 9.4 chance, percent chance of getting the top pick if Daniel Jones played out the season. When they factored in that it's likely Tommy DeVito now or Matt Barkley, they now have a 23% chance, according to our analytics. Of course, these are projections. They're predicting how the season will play out based on who's there and the, the talent that's there and the team that's on the field. 23% chance to get the top pick. 89% chance to be in the top five. 89%. So you have a 90% chance to be in a top five in an uber-strong quarterback draft led by Caleb Williams and Drake May. Initial Calls and talks, I don't think, I know people say Michael Penix. I don't think Michael Penix is going to be in that mix. J.J. McCarthy, another potential uh, high, you know, first-round pick, Michigan quarterback. Don't think we're talking that level, but we'll get into more of that as I'll make calls and we'll get into that more. I have really, look, we're nine games into the season. Nine games. Giants are two and seven, though, so it's over. They got smashed in Las Vegas. Probably we're going to get smashed anyway before Daniel Jones got hurt, but that, just made it into a total joke of the game. Barely even watched the rest of the game. Busy writing up, you know, Daniel Jones injury stories and all this other stuff because that's what matters now most for the long term of this see Where they go, where they at as a team. They have a, they're, they're where they're at there, they have a ninety percent chance to be a top five pick. A ninety nine point two percent chance of being in the top ten. So let's think back for a second. Josh Allen, who came from Buffalo, Joe Shane at the time. I believe they got Josh Allen with the seventh or eighth pick. I think it was the seventh pick of that 2018 NFL draft. Strong quarterback draft, it was considered. They end up with Josh Allen with the seventh. So even if they're in the top 10, 
you know, in their seventh, maybe there's somebody they like, or they could trade up from seven. At the time, I believe Buffalo, with Joe Shamer, his mentor, uh, Brandon Bean, what he did was, I believe they started at 21 and they ended up trading up twice to get to, was it seven or eight? Seven, I believe. Yeah, seven. You know, so even if they're like, if they're seventh, eighth, ninth now, you could always put together an offer with the right team, if the right teams fall in the right place, to get up to, you know, one, two, three, whatever it may be, wherever you can get up to. Now, it's complicated by the fact that the te- there's, a, there's a bunch of teams that are in that mix, right? We're talking about New England, right? You're talking about Chicago. You're talking about Arizona. These are all teams that are bad. That could be in the quarterback mix. Denver. So I got Chicago, Arizona, New England, and Denver. They all stink. They're all bad teams. They're all pro- almost certainly going to be in the top 10. So they're in the same mix as the Giants. So there's going to be a little arms race here to get to that top pick, depending on how the draft order shakes out. And remember, Carolina's not on there only because they stink too. But the Bears have Carolina's pick. So if you're the Bears, you want to basically be pick one and two. You could pick your quarterback. You move on from Justin Fields. That wasn't your guy. He hasn't really shown that he could be a consistent passer. And then you have Carolina's pick at two, and you could sell it to the highest bidder, to those teams that are looking for a quarterback who have high picks as well, the other ones that I just named. So that's probably where the Giants could fall into that mix. That's a scenario that could unfold. Now, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this. But with the Giants having such a high pick, Daniel Jones having – that injury history to worry about. And the Giants, here's the key. Here's why they can do it. And here's why the situation can play out the way that I'm looking at it right now. Daniel Jones' contract, next year he's guaranteed $35.5 million. He's going to be on their roster. Just makes sense. Even if they draft a young quarterback, you keep him around nine months from the ACL, likely means he'll be back by August. So he should be ready for the start of the season quarterback being back in eight, nine months from an ACL injury is not crazy. So I expect him to be back by the summer. So being ready for the start of the season, which is now, by the way, in mid-September, which would be about 10 full months out from surgery, assuming he has surgery here in the next week, like 10 plus months out to the start of the season, Daniel Jones will be fine. So if they draft a guy, they have the option of a starting Daniel Jones for the season, which I think is probably the move. You draft a guy high, you let him sit for a little bit, learn, even if he's the number one oral pick. And the second, you know, you start to stumble or Daniel Jones isn't playing at a great high level, you just make the transition. Or you just start the young guy, the young rookie quarterback, and then you keep Daniel Jones around because you need a backup and you need a good backup because look at the injury. Bryce Young has already missed games. Anthony Richardson's out for the season. So there's a good chance... You, you'll that Daniel Jones will start games even if he's the backup to Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever to start the season. So he's not gone, and that's the only reason I'm leaving even the slimmest possibility. This is the only scenario that I could see right now really unfolding where Daniel Jones ends up being the quarterback of the Giants where they draft a guy because I expect him to be in the top five, top seven of the draft, but they draft a quarterback. Daniel Jones starts the season, plays really, really well to the point where they just can't move on from him, right? He's playing so well, they make a magical run. But think about the, that, the, the odds of that scenario at this point. The odds of that scenario unfolding and then him staying healthy with this long injury history, two neck injuries, coming off a torn ACL, 
playing at that level right away back from there. It's just so slim right now. That's why the conductor had to retire. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Sad, sad times if you're the conductor or you were on the Daniel Jones bandwagon. So now the Giants sit at 2-7. and seven. It's a wasted season. Total mess of a season. I don't even know where they go from here. They're averaging 11.2 points per game. Don't see how it gets better. I'm not going to sit here and talk about them firing Brian Dable and firing Joe Shane because I don't think it's going to happen. Will I say it's 100% not going to happen, though? No. And here's the only reason why. Because we've been here before. We've been down this road before. This is the fourth straight coach that year two has been an absolute disaster. And guess what happened the first three times? The first time, by the way, the Giants were so certain Ben McAdoo wouldn't be fired that John Mara went on record, put out a statement saying he wasn't going to be fired. And guess what? Several weeks later, guess what happened to Ben McAdoo? He was fired. They told Joe Judge. They had sit-down meetings with Joe Judge. You're not going to be fired. You're not going to be fired. He felt so confident that he wasn't going to be fired that he's out there and he's, he's got Jake Fromm playing quarterback. Jake Fromm, by the way, I believe this wholeheartedly, is worse as a quarterback than what the Giants are going to play with this year if it's Tommy DeVito or Matt Barkley, whoever they end up signing. Like Jake Fromm is, Tommy DeVito is better than Jake Fromm, in my opinion, than the Jake Fromm we saw here. But Joe Judge felt that confident he was going to be back. He was willing to just basically not score any points the rest of the season. Just end the season with Jake Fromm and get the best pick they could get and just move forward from there. And guess what? He was fired. Now, Brian Dable and Joe Shane built up way more equity. First of all, they're aligned, which is a huge benefit here. Right in the past, the coach and GM weren't aligned. That's kind of why it was made sense to move on from Judge. But Joe Shane and Brian Dable are aligned, and they have some equity built up from last year. Now, they've squandered a lot of that equity in regards to confidence that this organization is headed in the right direction and they're in great hands and we're, they're, you know, they're going to do big things with those two in charge. To the point where not they should be fired, but that we're not really sure, right, that there's definitely uncertainty. It's like for everything Brian Dable did good in year one, there's equal on the other side of the argument to say he did not do well in year two. 
So not saying he should be fired, I would fire him. Actually, the exact opposite, I wouldn't. But now I have serious questions about how good a coach is he? Can he hold the locker room together? I think that's going to be a big question here down the stretch. So we already saw some cracks. Xavier McKinney. I'll tell you that story in one second. You know, uh, you know, uh, Dexter Lawrence the other day saying, you know, he didn't understand why they made the move of trading Leonard Williams. You know, and, and then from a player perspective, I get it. They're trying to win and they're always trying to win. They're never willing to throw in the towel. But that's the thing what happens when you're bad. And, and that's when you really get tested to see, you know, how strong is the culture you built? Can you sustain the bad times? That's always the key. Everybody can be good when things are going well. The question is, what happens when things go poorly? Can you keep it together then? And that's going to be the big test here from Brian Dable. Now, with the Xavier McKinney thing, he was saying after the game, basically, I just went up to him, just me, and I said, hey, you know, you're a leader of this team. You know, how, how big a blow is it to lose your quarterback for like you, likely the, the rest of the season? And McKinney started off by saying it's tough. And then he basically pivoted into this whole thing about our leaders aren't being heard. Uh, we give suggestions. They're falling on deaf ears. Let me say this. The Giants defense, by the way, in the previous three games, had given up, had given up 14 7 and 13 points, 20, uh, 33 points in three games. They were playing really well. So I'm not really sure what Xavier McKinney's talking about here. I get it. He was frustrated. But it seems to be, in this case, a little bit of a selfish perspective. Because the defense had been playing well. Yeah, they did not play well in Las Vegas. They played a poor game. Uh, the Raiders, with a young rookie quarterback, went in there. They ran the ball down the Giants' throats. They made plays in the passing game. They took advantage of, I mean, Deontay Banks had a rough game. That was a rough game from the rookie cornerback, had a rough game. And rookie cornerbacks are going to have a rough games. They're going to have rough games. That happens. But the overall, Giants defense did not play particularly well, especially in the first half. They kind of settled down a little bit, but it was too late at that point. So Xavier McKinney afterward is frustrated. He starts talking about uh Leaders, their voices not being heard, giving suggestions. Brian Dable downplayed that the other day, the day after. Said they have productive meetings, you know, leadership council type meetings. But when you have nine, ten, they started with ten captains. Leonard Williams is gone now, so it's nine. A bunch of them are on now and IR. You're talking about Graham Gano. You're talking about uh, Daniel Jones is going to be on IR. Leonard Williams is gone. So, yeah, but still. That's a lot of captains and a lot of people to listen to, which is kind of the point of, hey, maybe you shouldn't have so many captains, which is kind of why it was like, it's like laughable when you have 10 captains in the first place. So if you have 10 different guys and they're all voicing their opinion, you can't listen to everybody in there. Anyway, the coach is just going to pick and choose what they want to listen to anyway. And it's Brian Dable's show and you talk to people around there. He's going to run it the way Brian Dable wants to run. And then Andrew Thomas also downplayed another one of the captains. Spent most of the season out. He's back now. By the way, that was the best version of the Giants offensive line we've seen this season. I know there was a lot of sacks, but it was some of it was Tommy DeVito holding the ball forever and Tommy DeVito running and not throwing it out of bounds or running, at, you know, getting tacked, sacked himself behind the line of scrimmage. Like the Giants offensive line with Andrew Thomas, a left tackle, Justin Pugh, a left guard, John Michael Schmitz at center, Ben Bredesen at right uh, guard, and Evan Neal at right tackle was their best version of the offensive line. Although, 
if you put Tyree Phillips in there this week and Evan Neal's dealing with a left ankle sprain, didn't look good after the game. He was limping heavily with his shoes off. Uh, Tyree Phillips might actually be an upgrade from Evan Neal. So that might actually be the offensive line they put out this week. Could be the best offensive line they had. And uh, it's definitely getting better. But with uh, no real high quarterback play, Tommy DeVito I mean, or Matt Barkley, where are they really going? Nowhere. Saquon Barkley still be able to run the ball somewhat effectively. But, I mean, were they going to give it to him 35 times a game heading into a contract year and then be like, okay, uh, yep, it's time to sign you. But, hey, you got all these – the miles are really adding up on you here. Like, God, spot for Saquon. So what a mess. What a mess to the point. Cry your tears. Crocodile tears probably, probably. But, anyway, cry those tears. The conductor has officially retired. November 6th. On to the next one. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode of Breaking Big Blue. The little quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. And first of all, the reason I'm banging this out early this week, and it's a real quick episode, uh, producer Scopin is going to be away the rest of the week, so I had to get it done quickly at the beginning of the week. Flew back from Vegas. On the red eye, you know, Sunday into Monday, super tired Monday, banging out first thing Tuesday morning. Uh, we'll get back to the normal schedule. I'll get some guests and we'll uh, pump them out towards, like, you know, Wednesday, Thursday of the week rather than the beginning of the week, uh, which we've been doing for the most part this season. But Vegas, let me tell you, obviously Vegas is Vegas. It's a great place if you, if you like that kind of stuff. But what it was for me was the completion of the NFL Stadium Tour. I mentioned this on the last episode, the Allegiant Stadium, Vegas, was the last of the current stadiums that I had not been to. So now I've been to 30 of 30 stadiums, not 32 stadiums. I though I didn't get it wrong because, remember, uh, the L.A. teams and the Giants and Jets share stadiums. So there's only 30 stadiums, current stadiums in the NFL. I've been to all 30. This one was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, just beautiful. Inside is just beautiful you know boxes everywhere uh there's like a win field club or something where basically they have a club you know it's set up like club tables like you get a table at a club and you get bottle service like it's set up right there in the end zone like that and then after the game like behind there there's a curtain there there's legitimately a club with like house music blasting like there's a club going on and people having a good time you know bottles of classe azul and 1942 like all over the place like that's what it was like down there rick ross is performing like cool stadium and it's just really nice uh all around they did a good job with that vegas stadium now where does it fall on the list so my current updated list i'm just going to give a top three here maybe one day in the offseason i'll go over all 30 and rank them but I'm just going to do top three, my top three favorite stadiums. Now, I don't think it's coincidence that these three stadiums are all on the newer side, you know, the last 15, 20 years. Because the new, every new stadium that comes out seems to be, like, bigger, better than the stadium before. So, number three on my list, Minnesota, okay? Just a beautiful stadium. The roof, the way it looks from the outside, everything's awesome. The whole atmosphere in there, it just, it's super cool. 
the whole sc- skull might be one of my favorite chants. Just like when you're in there and you hear that, uh, the open air press boxes also make it just super. I, I, so that the Vegas was also open air press box, meaning there's no uh, soundproof windows and glass, and you don't need it because it's indoors, right? And you don't need that for like it's usually weather related. You can't have that at MetLife Stadium. It'll be freezing in there in the in the winter. It'll rain and snow into the press box. That yada yada yada. In Minnesota and Las Vegas, you don't have to worry about that. They're both indoor. They're both uh, domes. So number three is Minnesota. Super cool environment. School. School. When they all do that. And I'm, I'm ranking it on not just like the stadium, but what I think is what I've noticed to be the best environments to watch a game. So number three for me it's you know putting it all together it's a with the combine the stadium the environment to watch the game uh all the accoutrements around it namely the video board uh what you could see uh, you know Rick Ross performing there like on like a platform where they had like it set up um they had a former running back light a big torch before the game like super cool that was that was Vegas I'm talking about that, like so those kind of things factor into it and that's why Vegas for me I'm putting it number 2 so three is Minnesota, two is Vegas, and one to me remains AT&T Stadium and Dallas. Just because I think the environment, first of all, the scoreboard is still super huge and awesome and cool. Now, LA just missed. It's almost too big, but they have an even bigger scoreboard. I'm talking about the stadium in general. It's a super cool stadium, super nice, modern. Uh, the concourse looks great. Food looks awesome there. But still. Dallas, the food is amazing. They treat you amazing in the press box as well. Same as they did in Las Vegas. Boy, let me tell you. The dessert table they had. And then on top of that, they have a separate candy table. So they're really making a run at Dallas in regards to that. Uh, You know, regards to how they treat the media. Now they don't have the beer tap that Dallas has, which is really just like the kiss, chef's kiss of how you treat the media right there. How do you treat fat, uh, you know, old middle-aged sports writers? I mean, you obviously you give them food and you give them beer. You know, can't can't go wrong there. So, yeah, Dallas that adds to the mix. But the atmosphere in Dallas, the stadium is super cool. It's huge. There's there's a a lot of standing room area. People are just always into it. And I I just it has, in my opinion, the highest female audience the percentage of females in the stands which i think adds to the mix so just and i'm not saying this because uh, you know uh, for you're looking for to pick up women in the stadium i'm saying this because it just has the best overall it you know environment in regards to that it's just a big party and everybody's into the game it's not like they're just there you know for the uh, the entertainment. No, they're there for the game. They're all into the Dallas Cowboys there, and they're into the Cowboys playing the Giants, obviously, when we go there. It's just a great atmosphere. It's a big party-like atmosphere that's still centered around the game. They're like, New Orleans can be a party-like atmosphere, but sometimes it's not really centered on the game. And there's other places like that as well. But there in Dallas, it just has a great party football combination atmosphere again they have those boxes on the field with the tables like and it's super cool if you're sitting in one of those boxes you're having a day you're having yourself a day with 
a lot of bottles and a lot of drinking, and you're going to spend a lot of money. A lot of money. Can't imagine what it costs for a table on the field in Dallas or at Legion Stadium in Vegas. But I'll tell you what, you're going to have a good, good time. So that's my one, two, three goes Dallas, AT&T Stadium, two, Allegiant Stadium, and three, Minnesota. Now, of course, it could be super cold in Minnesota, but again, all three of those, dome, dome, dome. You know, all three of those have indoor capabilities. Now, Vegas is always a dome, I believe. I don't think it opens. Minnesota, does it open? I don't know, Dallas opens. The only problem I complain I have about Dallas is that that roof. The sun can shine in the roof and create a glare. We've seen that before. That's been a problem. We've seen Giants receivers fumble or I'm unable to catch balls. That is one of the downsides of it. But I'm talking about the atmosphere of being in there for a game. Love it in there. So that's my th- one, one, my top three. That's my top three stadiums to be at and go and watch a game at. Uh, we'll maybe get into more in the offseason. I'll go deeper into the stadium uh, reviews since I've now been to all 30. And let me tell you, MetLife, dirty secret. It's not near the top. It's not. I promise you. It's not. Not that anybody is surprised at all. And got one of the ugliest looking stadiums. All right. That's it for this episode of Big Breaking Big Blue. Uh, yes, the conductor has retired. He reserves the right to come out of retirement just like anybody else, right? He's not dead. The conductor's not dead. He just retired. He's going to see if he enjoys retirement right now. Maybe he decides next year he'll come out of retirement. But it would take extenuating, extenuating circumstances for the conductor to want to come out of retirement. Because, I mean, man, I, I would love to be in retirement. You know, I mean, on the golf course, you know, playing poker, you know, in the, in the clubhouse or wherever. Like, that, that seems like a pretty good life. So I think the conductor's going to like it. I think he's going to like it. I don't think we're going to see the conductor ever again. I think we're going to have to retire that bit. Sad, sad time to be alive here. That's it for this episode. See you next time.